0: I swear that love will find you in your pain. I feel it in me like the beating of life in my veins. I know there's gonna be some brighter days. I know there's gonna be some brighter days. Oh ashes fall from burn.
1: Welcome to episode number 79. We made it. We made it through another week. We're almost at episode 80 already. We've already been together 79 mornings. We've been praying for evil to be eradicated and lightness to snuff out the darkness 79 times. And I like what KC 2022 said. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Folks, welcome to Rise Up. Again, this is episode number 79. And we've got a lot to talk about today, but I've titled the show, Distractions Will Keep You Less Safe. Distractions will keep you less safe, and I don't care what distraction it is. The, sa- uh, the devil, Satan, he uses any distraction that he can any shiny object that he can to keep you away from God, to keep you separated from Jesus, to keep your Holy Spirit and your soul inside your body completely filtered away from the message of God and away from the teachings of Jesus Christ. We know this to be true. The Bible tells us many, many, many times throughout the Old Testament, and the New Testament, that this is going to be the case. And that is why 365 times in the Bible for every day of the year does it say, do not be afraid. Lean on your, do not lean on your own understanding, but lean on the word of God. Now, I'm fasting right now. I don't know if everybody is still fasting with me from Thursday night until Friday night's. But just like our great president, Donald Trump, expected this indictment to happen, so did we. And we have been proactive in praying for the safety of Donald J. Trump. But not only for the safety of Donald J. Trump, but by default, keeping Donald Trump safe makes America great again because he, like us, are literally trying to make America godly again. So I want everybody to understand that this that is happening with our president right now is absolutely needed for us to make America godly again, to make America great again. Guys, understand, lean not on your own understanding. What is happening right now is God's will. This must happen. This is why Donald Trump said, please indict me. Please arrest me. Same way, and I'm not in any way because I don't like when people think that I'm doing this. I'm not comparing Jesus to Trump, but I am going to compare how God uses situations and people who are prophetic enough to understand what is about to happen to them. He'll use them in a way that might make it look really bad for you now. Satan might think he's winning. The devil thinks he's winning. The Democrats think they're winning. But the Democrats can't see past tomorrow. They used to have foresight. That's how they had a 2030 agenda. But what they don't understand is the power of God Almighty. They don't understand that a Jesus revolution is happening at the same exact time as they are losing their foresight. They are looking at the shiny object that is getting Donald Trump behind a, uh, a camera to take his mug shot. That to them is what, that's what they're going after. Embarrassment, embarrassment, embarrassment. But they don't know that God is setting Donald Trump in a place so he can set us all up for greatness. And the fact that Donald Trump is willing to sacrifice it and do it should tell you everything you need to know about who the only person that you should be writing for and voting for in this next election cycle. Now, I don't usually like to make Rise Up a political statement. However, when you have a man who is like Donald Trump, who is the only person that is going to save this country from the political persecution, not save it from the spiritual uh, persecution, but from the political persecution, then you have to... You have to have the conversation with his name in it. And the problem with churches and the problem with families and individuals in this country is they say, I don't want to talk about politics while we're talking about God. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. Because you're separating the one person that God is setting up to make America godly again and safe again. And you're alienating that person because you don't want to put politics in a discussion with faith. And if you are one of those people, then how wrong could you be? You are very wrong. I am not mixing faith and politics. I am mixing faith with those who are ordained and appointed by God to make sure that we are all safe. Having said that, I'd like to say happy birthday to two people, Jacob and Stephen. Jacob and Stephen, I'd like to say happy birthday to the both of you. So let's all sing happy birthday, one song, two people, happy birthday to Jacob and Stephen. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jacob and Stephen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy Friday. We're getting closer and closer to He is Risen, and I am so very excited. Again, if you're just joining in, I titled the show, Distractions Will Make You Less Safe. Let's go to the Word, Lord in prayer, and then let's get into our books I've got a video to show you. We've got some discussions that need to be had. So if you're wearing a hat, please remove your hat. Please share this video. Please rumble this video. It's right down there. The little thumbs up. Make it turn green. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven. God in heaven. We know because of your word. Inspired by you. Written by prophetic people in this world. And taught by Jesus that we should have no fear and that we should not let anything, anything separate us from your word, God. We love your word, God. We love your encouragement, your inspiration. We love your love. We accept your love and we love you back. We ask for heavenly wisdom to be imparted on every single person in this country right now who feels discouraged or sad. If we let distraction separate us from the word of God, then we can no longer be the little shining lights that you need us to be. Darkness will overcome and we will surely fail. So Lord, help us remember that song that we all learned when we were children, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 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 Because when we think of that, Lord, we smile. When we think of that, our hearts are put at peace. Lord, this is your show. This is God's podcast. Be here with us today. Bring us peace to all those who are listening and watching now and who will listen and and watch later. Bring peace to their heart. Bring peace that only you can bring. Bring joy to their heart. And let them understand with heavenly wisdom that all of this is needed in order to make America godly again. We thank you, Lord, for being with us. We thank you for dwelling in our homes and in our hearts. And we pray for the safety of Donald John Trump. We offer sacrifices of food, we offer fasting, we offer our thanksgiving, and we offer our desires of our heart to make our country safe again. And we ask if it is your will, Lord, that you answer those prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mustache says, Father, keep Jeremy and Eli safe. Thank you. I, uh, I welcome all those prayers. We're going to need it. Folks, we're just getting started in this spiritual war. It's going to get heavy. It's going to get thick. But if you remember from Matthew, bring all the heavy laden. Bring your yokes, your heavy yokes, and give them to me. I will make your ways lighter. I will make your yokes lighter. Nobody's going to do that but God, guys. Nobody's going to do that but Jesus. I really, 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 really prayed I prayed and I thought, and, I, and last night, I was very angry when I went home last night. I was very, very angry when I went home last night. Not because of the indictment. We knew that was coming. I was very angry because of the fact that poor Donald Trump has to deal with this stuff. How much it must be weighing on his heart. There's no way that any mortal man could get through this. That he's gone through since 2016 without God. There's no way. And that is why I believe that Donald Trump has become so close to Jesus in the last five years. I really believe that Donald Trump has had a spiritual reawakening with God, and that is why God is bringing him through this. Oh, Donald Trump was always, he was never a God-fearing man. He was a billionaire playboy. Well, it's never too late. And like I said, the proof is in the pudding. Nobody on planet Earth Nobody on planet Earth would be able to go through this. And I do not want you guys to be, and we'll talk more about this at 11, because this is politics and I don't want to mix this. I don't want anybody to be confused or, um, or duped or tricked by Ron DeSantis' statement last night that Florida will not comply with an indictment. It's all political theater. There's, nothing, there's, no, there's, no, there's not even any meat on that bone. And I'll explain that at 11 o'clock, okay? But like I said, nobody could get through this. I'd also like to offer prayers and ask for prayers for Kay Wilson Love. If Kay Wilson Love is in the chat right now, or if Kay Wilson Love becomes uh, is not here now, but it it will be in the 11 o'clock chat, I want you all to please pray for Kay Wilson Love because she lost her 27-year-old son to fentanyl recently. I do not know what losing a son or a daughter feels like. I do know what losing somebody close to me feels like, and I also know what losing somebody in our family to fentanyl feels like. I feel sad. I feel sad because because we all get so sad and angry about the political stuff and the persecutions that are going on in our country. But none of us would even be thinking about that if we lost our son or our daughter to fentanyl last night or the day before or this week or this month. Remember, folks, there's always somebody out there that has it worse than what we're going through. And, I, and yes, you're right, 43 Gators. Biden is to blame, but Satan is ultimately to blame for this. All of us get distracted by things that people say on Twitter, by fake indictments that won't stick. And we let it really, really, really anger us and sometimes control our lives. But I could tell you this. I would rather die a hundred times over by a thousand paper cuts than have my child pass away. So no matter what we're going through, Somebody losing a child is far worse. So not only warn your kids about the dangers of fentanyl, but warn them about the dangers of any drug that could be laced with fentanyl because there's some sick people out there trying to kill people. So I'd like to ask for prayers for Kay Wilson Love today. Let's go to one-minute prayer for dads. And please keep in mind, folks, the title of today's show is Distractions Will Keep You Left Safe. All right? I want you to please share the video if you could and like the video right down there. I want to read from One Minute Prayer for Dads. If you do not listen, folks, are you looking for a good Easter present to get to your father? Are you looking for a good Father's Day present? Please get them One Minute Prayer for Dads. Please do that. It is the greatest gift that my mother ever imparted on me. Please, please, please get this book. We're going to read from page 12, the hard patches. Colossians 1.11. May you be strengthened with all the power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Colossians 1.11. Let me read that one more time. Please, if you have this book, please read it aloud with me, just like you do in church with verses. Colossians 1.11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, Colossians 1.11. Being a dad is not always an easy road, neither is being a mom. Things may move along just fine, and then out of nowhere comes a hindrance to being a good dad. Maybe it's because we're personally facing some of, that hard, some of those hard patches in our lives. If we can recognize how our present hard patch is affecting our dadhood, we can do what's necessary to make change. One place to start when we're going through a hard patch is to ask our kids to pray for us. God will hear those prayers. I was thinking of Rosa and Nicholas And I was thinking of children who, um, who are, have been driven away from God and allowed themselves to be driven away from Jesus. And I got to thinking about how children can be very stubborn, right? When my son was falling away from God, he would literally look at me and tell me that he does not believe in God. He would go that far to say that it's all a joke. However, my son loved me enough So if I said, can you please pray with us before dinner, he would pray even when he did not believe in God. If I asked my son when he was far from God to pray for me, even though he did not believe in God, he loved me enough to at least satisfy my request. So I will ask this of you, Rosa. Ask Nicholas to pray for you. Not for him. Not even praying to a God that he doesn't believe in. Just ask him to pray because I'm going to tell you something right now. The very act of them praying subconsciously will bring God back in their lives more than you know. More than you know. So Nicholas or Rosa, if Nicholas loves you and you know he loves you, say, I know you don't believe in God, but it would really make my heart warm and make me feel at peace. And I could die tomorrow and if I died tomorrow and I asked you to pray for me and you didn't, how would you feel? And if you can get them to pray for you as non-believing children or separated from God children, that will plant seeds in them far greater than you speaking verses or gospel to them. You understand what I mean? Your child might not believe in God, but your child believes in you. Your child might believe, not believe that God can bring peace, but your child believes that you believe God can bring peace, and your child will respect you far more than they will respect God if they are away from God. So why don't you go that route? See if that works, because it worked for me. Again, they might say, whatever, God, please bring my mom peace and joy. (laughs) You just got them to pray to God. See what I mean? It's kind of a reverse psychology, and since kids don't have the ability to think like we do, You might be able to trick him into it. Nicholas prayed for his sister when she nearly died. She wrote a letter to God when she was 10. She lived. I know it because of the letter. I know it was because of the letter. There you go, Rosa. You've already done this before. Ask him to just pray for you because it will make you feel peaceful. It'll make you feel joy. And by default, he's literally asking God for help. Now, I know that might be deceitful, and God says don't be deceitful, but that is not deceit with ill intent. That is not deceit with evil intentions or an evil agenda. That is deceit in order to get them to stop being deceived by the devil. It's reverse psychology. Now, M.D. Norton says don't use guilt, I'm not, and, and I'm not saying use guilt. I would agree with you. Don't, don't use guilt, but definitely... Use heavenly wisdom to get your children to subconsciously pray to Jesus for help. It helped me. Maybe it will help you. Melanie says, this is incredibly timely message for me. I had a great talk with Melanie on the phone last night. Melanie, you know I love you to death. Now, Melanie and I have had many, many, many disagreements politically. But spiritually, we, are, we could not be more connected. And that's what I'm talking about here, folks. We can be easily distracted by politics. We could be easily distracted by anything. But, but we need to keep our spiritual relationships intact and not, and not be distracted. Now, that doesn't mean to ignore everything that's going on. Of course you don't. That doesn't mean ignore the fact that Donald Trump is being illegally uh, persecuted by politics. No, of course not. That doesn't mean that at all. And I'll explain that at the end of the show when I get to the verse of the day, okay? Okay? Now let me go back into reading the rest of this. God, it's been hard lately. Now, (laughs) that makes me want to cry. That makes me want to cry that I just read that. Not for me, but for most of you. I know the hard time you guys are having right now. I really do. Now, I'm not going through such a hard time right now because I am so spiritually connected to Jesus through all of this uh, political persecution and all of the other stuff that's going on, the fentanyl and everything like that. I'm sad more for you. I'm sad because I know so many of you right now, so many thousands of you right now that are watching um, are going through hard times. So when I read that, my heart breaks for people like Rosa and 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 m d Norton and so many others who and and lisa nacan and, and 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 Victoria who are going through you know financial or spiritual hardships you know it's 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 the main reason why we started the slurp fund. It is the main reason that we started the slurp fund. it was because we wanted to lift people's spirits and if and if any of you have been a um, a recipient of the slurp fund, you know that I write a check to you um, and and in the in the memo section. In the notes section, I write a gift from God. And the reason why I do that is because even though that's not enough money to bring you out of financial hardships and to bring you into financial freedom, it's not about the money. It's about the gesture. It's about the kindness and the mercy and the blessings that God provides for you. That's why I write that. You know the situation. You know my reactions. And how they hinder me from being a great dad. I pray that daily you will show me how to react to the hard stuff I have to face. I pray you'll change me or change my circumstances. I pray for peace in our household and that the kids will look back on these days as the time when dad prevailed against hard situations. I pray that as, my chi- that as my children pray for me, that you will listen and answer, not just to get me through this rough patch, but to show them the power of prayer. See? You see, if you can get your children to pray for you, even if they're away from God, the power of prayer will transform them, not transgender them, will transform them from the one person that they are to the person who God created them to be. It's just about the power of prayer altogether. Victoria says, I don't think I've ever truly been humbled before. I understand that. I understand that. I was humbled by spending 13 months in solitary confinement. I want everybody to do me a favor right now. Are you on your phone? Are you on your computer right now? I want you all to pull up another tab, and if you've got to bounce out of this video right now on your phone to pull up a tab and Google this or Bing it or or Tusk it, whatever search engine you use, I want you all to search right now Menard Correctional Facility. Solitary confinement. MENARD, Menard Correctional Facility. and solitary confinement there. Because that's where I that's where I was humbled. Now, Phantom says, I got 10 years, and God woke me up. Becca says, I know where that is, Jeremy. I've seen that. It's down by, um, it's in Southern Illinois. I do not wish that anybody in the world Has to go to that place or to that point in their lives to be humbled. But sometimes we have to. Sometimes God says you cannot reach your full potential until you go through that. Bruce says, Jeremy, I knew that. I was in the brig for six months on a carrier in the Navy. So you know what it's all about, my friend. Six months or six years. That kind of freedom, that kind of a, 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 taken from you, that kind of life taken from you is very, 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 very hard. Happy Girl says, I'm 30 minutes from Menard, Illinois, Southern Illinois. Yes, you are correct. Amanda says, God already broke the chains off you, Jeremy. You are now saved from Satan's lies. I want to thank the LFA producer for putting those links in there. That's where I became humbled. So when I say... At the beginning of my shows... You're ever so humbled, God-fearing, and God-loving host... Or you're ever so humble, God-fearing, and God-loving host. I, got to, I get a lot of flack from that. I get a lot of insults from that. Barbie says, Jeremy Menard is only a few miles from me, so you know the place. It is hell. It's hell on earth. It's hell on earth. And someday, I, I, I've, already got, I've already brought you guys through my testimony, But someday I will bring you guys through the entire time from the beginning, middle, and end of my time in Menard Correctional Facility and the terrible, terrible, terrible things that happened to me in there. Terrible things. Things that no human should ever have to witness or go through. I can tell you that. Pandy says, how did you remain sane during that? Well, <laughs> oh, I can't believe I, this has taken a turn to talk about this crap. How did I remain sane in there? Well, there's a song by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton called There Was Jesus. And I always thought that same, I always had that same question. How did I stay sane in there? I, I, I used to ask myself that same question until that song by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton came out. There was Jesus. And then I remember, and then I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What kept me sane in there was Jesus, and I didn't even believe in him. I didn't even know who he was. And in that song, if you've never heard it, it says, in the mountains, in the valleys, And the healing and the hurting and the pain and all the suffering. I didn't know it, but there was Jesus. I didn't know it, but there was Jesus. So when I look back on that, even though I didn't know it then, I know it now, and Jesus was there the whole time getting me through it. And like I said, someday we'll go through the, um, someday we'll go through the, the, the specifics of that jail, but I can tell you I had my nose broke. I had, uh, I was beaten by, by, by guards. I, ha- I was in many, many fights, not of my own causing, just defending myself. I was, uh, (laughs) you guys want me to even talk about this right now, or you want me to get back to, to this? Um, let me pull up, let me pull up the rumble chat. Let me, let me see what you guys say, because there is a story I would like to tell you now, now that I'm thinking about it or else I'll probably never remember it. Uh, but let's pull up the rumble chat. Um. Jeremy, that was God's training camp for you. I, I 100% believe you. I 100% believe that's true. Jesus was always there. Just need to help, say help me. That's true. Jeremy, you were saved and got through. Could be where you are with us now. I know. I know. I, I think of that every day. Um. God has called you to talk about this right now. Talk. Talk about it. Menard is a maximum security facility. Yes, it is, Annie. Yes, it is. Talk about how God guides you. Talk about it. Okay. Well, I didn't. I I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to dilute the Word of God in any way by talking about prison. But uh, you guys want to hear about it? I'll let you hear about it. So I was in a. Uh, I was in solitary confinement for thirteen months there before I got let out to General Pop, Gen Pop, General Population, and uh, I was. Um, I was cellmates um, in a five by eight cell. Now, if you if you Googled. Uh, Menard Correctional Facility and you Googled solitary confinement, you'll know that it was like a white steel door. You don't have bars on the doors, right? It's a white steel door and there's a chuck hole in it. And every time they open that chuck hole, they give you food or they give you books or letters or whatever it is that you got coming to you. And they keep you locked down uh, six days a week. And then on the seventh day, they let you outside for five hours. And that's also the day that you would take a shower. So those were Tuesdays for me. On Tuesdays, they let us outside. Uh, rain, snow, sleet, shine, whatever it was. If you didn't go out, you waited another week. That's just the way it was. Now, a lot of people think that you're not allowed to be locked down 24 hours a day, that you need one hour a day. That's not true. That is not true. They treat you like an absolute animal in there. But one day, um, there, I was cellmates with this guy named, his, his nickname was Moon, M-O-O-N. Everybody has a nickname in there. Nobody uses their real name. You have a nickname by by uh, by fellow prisoners, and you have a number by guards. Um, my name to the facility was K six five nine eight nine. My um my nickname in there uh, was either <laughs> weird was either uh, Ringo or White Chocolate. Now, Ringo was because I was a drummer, and people were, for some reason, because people knew I played drums, they gave me, like, Ringo Starr, I think, he was a Beatles guy, right, or something, and uh, and then White Chocolate, because I, I was really good at basketball. <laughs> so, because I was really good at basketball, I was always playing basketball, and everybody that was in that prison pretty much was was black. Uh, so because I was good at basketball, they called me white chocolate anyway, weird, weird. But anyway, I was in the cell with this guy named moon and, uh, in Illinois, they had, uh, right before I went to that prison, like maybe two years before that prison, they, um, they had abolished the death sentence in Illinois. So anybody that was on death row, was released back into general population. And, of course, by default, anybody that was on death row, they have nothing to lose, so they get in trouble out there, and then they go to solitary confinement, and then they get back to Gen Pop, and back and forth, and back and forth. So, anyway, in solitary confinement, I was in a cell with a guy named Moon, and he was a life... He had, like, four life sentences. He was in there for murder. And the weird thing about it was, was he just... He, he was a decent guy. Like, we, we, we played chess. We, we talked all the time. He was very polite. He was very nice to me. He was uh, protective in some way, shape, or form because he had been there for so long. And the worst part about it was, was you had somebody like me who the only reason I was in a maximum security prison was because I ran away from a work-release center. And because I ran away from a work-release center, I was labeled an escape risk. And when you're labeled an escape risk, you're automatically given a green ID. And if you have a green ID in the state of Illinois, you are an escape risk. You must automatically be in a maximum security prison. How is it solitary confinement if you have a cellmate? Because prisons were overcrowded. And they shove two people in one room together for months at a time. And by the way, when you're in room with anybody, I don't care if it's your husband or wife for months at a time, you're going to end up fighting. It's just the way it is. Anyway, long story short, that's why I was in a maximum security prison because I ran away from a work release center like a moron. So in the state of Illinois, if you have a green ID, you're automatically in a maximum security prison. That's why I was there. So anyway, back to this. So I'm in the cell with this guy. And I knew he was in there for murder. So here I am, a guy that just ran away from a work-release center because I did some stupid stuff when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, I'm in a cell with a triple lifetime murderer. Not a good place to be. So he had told me he was in there for murder, but he told me it was because of like a crime of passion, right? That he found his woman cheating on him, ended up killing the guy, and that's why he was in there. So as much as as much as that's not, you know, a good thing to do, for me, it was like, at least you're not some kind of psycho, you know, serial killer. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, in there, in a place like that, and a place where people are going to be there for life and never get out, when they see somebody getting out, they try everything they can to make that person stay because they don't want to see people leave and while they stay stuck in prison. It's like, a, it's like a mental problem in there, okay? It's like a mental problem in there. They just don't want to, it's like misery loves company, right? So meaning, meanwhile, what happens is if they see people getting ready to leave, they try to, it's what they call, and I don't mean to say this on a Rise Up show, but I got to tell you what, it's called, what, it, what they say, it's called jagging off your bid. You're jacked off your bid. Meaning that you basically screwed up the time in which you were getting ready to get out. Meaning that they would punish you in there for doing something wrong and keep you longer. Add more to your time. And they can do that because in Illinois, they give you a day for day for being in there. Meaning for every day that you're in there and you're good, they give you a day. Which shortens your sentence so they can get you the heck out of there so they can fill it up with more people. So when you jag off your bid, what me- what that means is that you're actually getting that good time that they took away from you, and they're giving it back to you. Now you're going to stay longer, and and when other prisoners see you getting ready to leave, they will do something to you in order to sh- make you screw up so that you stay longer because they don't want you to leave. It's a really mind it's really mind screwing, you know. It really mind screws you pretty bad. Anyway, long story short, um, I was getting ready to leave, and. About two months at this point. And I woke up one day. And I don't know how he got him in there. But there's a lot of crooked guards in there too. Guards that are making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year by sneaking in cigarettes and, and weed and booze and all this other stuff, right? Guards are so crooked in these big prisons like this. So I don't know how he did this. I don't know how he got him. But he got him. And I woke up one day. And he was not in the cell. So I don't know. Somebody said, that's why you shut your mouth if you might leave. Well, they everybody knows when your out date is, by the way. Everybody knows when it is. Like the guards know why you're there. The guards tell everybody when you're leaving. Like you can't keep it a secret, really. So one day, he must have got, the guards must have came and let him out of the cell to go. I think he went to see his attorney or something. He was trying to get some kind of a appeal going or something. So he came out. Or so I think he, I, I, if my I, memory strikes me correct, he had been let out to go see his, his, his attorney. And when he, uh, when he was gone, I, I didn't even hear him leave. So I didn't wake up. But when I woke up, there was three Polaroids on my bed. There was three Polaroid pictures on my bunk. And I woke up and I was like, I was like, yo, you, you, you up? And he wasn't here. And I looked down because I was on the top bunk. And I looked down. and He was gone. But then I noticed that I knocked off one of the pictures. So I jumped off the top bunk. I'm like, I wonder where the heck he went. Because usually, because guards will come and get you for various things, right? So I got up and I, 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 I saw that I knocked something off the bed. So I jumped off the bed and I picked it up. And when I picked it up and when I saw what it was, my heart sank. I literally I've never felt fear like I felt at that moment. Never. Never. And I'd been, through some pretty, I'd been through a lot of crap to that point. I'd never felt fear like the fear that I felt that moment. Because what the Polaroids were, were the people that he killed. He took pictures of these people after he killed them. And somehow got these Polaroids sent to him in his prison. And it wasn't one person, as he told me. It was three people. And he slit their throats. Ear to ear. Ear to ear. And I saw, for the first time in my life, real pictures of somebody who really got their throat cut. And it was the scariest thing I had ever seen, ever Because I realized at that moment that not only did he kill three people and cut their throats, but he took pictures of it, which means he's definitely a psycho. I'd been sharing a cell with this guy for months at this point. And why would he leave those pictures for me to see? He must be coming back to kill me. This is what I thought. So I I was like, guard, 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 before he came back. And I was like, get me out of here right now. And I showed him the pictures. Now, basically, at this point, I'm snitching on a murderer. And the guard didn't do anything. He, this guy had been on death row, but because they abolished, they abolished the death sentence in Illinois, he was in a, crowd, in a, in a cell with me. Now, I can hold my own, don't get me wrong, but I don't care how big or bad you are. When that's the situation that you find yourself in, it is absolute horror. And the guard did nothing. Probably because the guard was in on getting him the pictures. So meanwhile, I'm waiting for this guy to come back. I can't go anywhere. I can't run. I'm stuck in a 5 by 8 cement cell with a steel door. Where am I going to go? The guard wouldn't let me out. So I'm waiting for him to come back, and I'm like, you know, I'm like ready to go. I'm ready to like fight for my life. So he comes back. And I'd put the Polaroids on his bed already. And he comes back, and I'm in the back of the cell, like, waiting to fight for my life. And he comes back in, and he's got a smile on his face. And I said, and I, I, I swore, I said, bro, what the f- is that? And he said, oh, I just wanted you to see my handiwork. Why? Why do you want me to see your handiwork? And he says, just to let you know what I'm capable of. Just to let you know what I'm capable of. And I said, and that's it? You're not like going to, you don't want to kill me or something? He goes, no, I don't want to kill you. I just want to let you know what I'm capable of. The next week, or maybe it was two weeks later, I can't remember the date, I can't remember the length of time in which it happened, but he was removed from the cell by the grace of God. I don't know how he was removed from the cell. I didn't sleep for however long it was from the point that that happened until the point that he was gone. I didn't sleep for anything. I couldn't get, a, I couldn't get any shut eye, obviously. And by the way, that's not even close to the worst thing that happened to me while I was in there. So someday we'll have a, we'll have a, we'll, a conversation about my time in there. Uh, I don't like to talk about this stuff at all. But you must know that when that song came out, There Was Jesus by Dolly Parton and Zach Williams, I knew immediately there was a message from God right to me that he was there even then. You understand? So if you find yourself in a situation that's that bad, whatever you do, look to God and never, ever, ever, ever allow anything to distract you from God. So people say to me, Jeremy, yesterday when you found out Trump was indicted, how did you stay so cool? How were you so sure? How were you not scared? How were you not fearful? How were you not freaking out? How didn't your anxiety go through the roof? Now you know. Because I know even in the worst situations that you can ever find yourself in, Jesus is there. Jesus is there for you to protect you. And the more that you allow yourself to be distracted, the worse you're going to be and the less safe you'll ever be. (laughs) Don't get distracted. Jeremy, you need to write a book called Jesus Was My Cellmate. Oh, that's amazing. Eli, can you write that down? Jesus is My Cellmate. That's a good, that's a good title. It's a good title. Anyway, while I pull myself together, I've got a video to show you. And this video is another video from Ray Comfort. Remember I said on Fridays we're going to start playing videos of Ray Comfort from Living Waters? This is him evangelizing to two homosexuals. Okay? Two wonderful people. loving. I, I don't have a problem with anybody who's gay or anything like that. Their sin is no worse than any other sin. But the reason I want to play this video for you of Ray Comfort <laughs> is because this is how you should evangelize to people who are homosexuals and he does it in a very 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 amazing way so ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's go to mr. ray comfort from living waters here we go
2: have you ever looked at a woman with lust
3: no thank you for the reflection right so what
2: am i supposed to do now
3: (laughs) what do i do now
2: shall i tell you please do you think there's an afterlife
3: Do you think it's after that? Yes. And what about you? I think, yes, energy transforms. Do you believe in
2: God's existence?
3: In my own way. I don't go to church or mass, but I think that he's here to teach us to do good.
2: Got a question for you. Where do you think conscience comes from? Oh, oh, I don't know. (laughs) That's very deep for this time of the morning. Energy, energy,
3: the... You always obey your conscience? 99.9% of the times, yes. I think it comes from, from God and what you believe in. That's where conscience comes from.
2: So God gave you a conscience? I think so. Why?
3: Because we're here to
2: do something good, not to do something bad. Conscience can be dulled. It's like taking the batteries out of a smoke detector. It doesn't alarm you if you do that. And some people dull their conscience so it doesn't speak to them. Right. Is there an objective moral standard that you can go by in life? I'm trying to point to the Ten Commandments. Yes, yes. So how many commandments can you name?
3: Don't steal, don't kill, and ar- No robar. Uh...
2: <laughs> I have
3: a command in life, which is don't do, don't do what you don't want people to do to you
2: yeah that's the golden rule right and so Jesus used in the Sermon right. on the Mount which is the essence of love right okay let's go through the commandments and see how you are gonna do on judgment day can you be honest with me
3: I'm gonna be honest
2: can you Very honest. do you think you're a good person I think so and what about you good person
3: yeah I'm a good person
2: how many lies have you told in your life? Countless. Have you ever stolen something?
3: Very, very few times. I was a kid.
2: Have <laughs> you ever used God's name in vain? That's the third commandment.
3: Yes, very few times, but yes. Well, maybe I, I don't remember. i yeah. have
2: used it twice since I met you.
3: <laughs> Maybe, yes.
2: Do you love your mum?
3: I love her to death.
2: And what about you? Do you love your mum?
3: Yeah, I okay. really love. So
2: her. you'd never use your mum's name as a cuss word, that'd be disrespectful. Right. But you've taken the name of the God that gave you a mother and used it in the place of that filth word to express disgust. That's called blasphemy, very serious in God's eyes. I appreciate your patience with me. I appreciate your time. Oh thank you. Thank you for the Reflection. Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? No. When did you last look at pornography? Seven
3: months since I met him. That's,
2: that's lust. Okay. 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 So, so guys, I'm not judging you. but You've told me that you're lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterous at heart. And this yeah. is where we're going with this. If God judges you by those commandments on judgment day, you're going to be innocent or guilty.
3: I think we will be... Um, judged by not only those things, but as a general of what we've done in life.
2: You mean good things as well? Right. Try that in a court of law. If you've committed a serious crime, like you've robbed a bank, shot a guard, and he died, and the judge says you're guilty, and you say, yes, judge, I am guilty, but I want to tell you about all the good things I've done. The judge is gonna say, what are you talking about? I'm not here to judge you on the good things. Totally, I agree. He just judges you on the crimes. That's how justice works, and exactly the same with God. On judgment day, will he be innocent or guilty of breaking those commandments? I think I'm gonna be innocent You'd be guilty like the rest of us. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate, harp. Huh? Right, so what am I supposed to do now? If you're guilty, will you go to heaven or hell? If I'm guilty, I go to hell, right? Bible says all liars live their part in the lake right. of fire. No thief, no blasphemer, no okay. adulterer. <laughs> so what do I do now? Okay, so this is where... you You may think it's funny that you're going to hell, but it horrifies me. I love you, I care about you. I That's thought it. I was a better person. Yeah, well, the commandments show us we're not. They reflect what we are in truth. Right. Do you know what death actually is according to the Bible? It's wages. Yeah. Did you know that? Death is wages according to the Bible?
3: Wages. Wages are salary.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it says the wages of sin is death. In other words, God is paying you in death for your sins. Like a judge looks Mm. at a criminal that's murdered three girls. He says, we're going to pay you in the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. This is what you've earned. Mm. And sin is so serious to a holy God that he's given you the death sentence, the soul that sins shall die. Nicholas, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? He did something wonderful. Forgive, uh, Forgiveness? No. You actually know it, but you don't understand it. Shall I tell you? Please. Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the world. Oh, oil. yeah, right. Now, you know that. Right. But this will change everything for both of you if you can get a grip of this. The 10 commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. That's why he said, it is finished. Nicholas, if you're in court and someone pays your speeding fines, the judge can legally let you go, even though you're guilty. You can say, you're guilty, but someone's paid these fines. You're out of here. Now, God can let you go. He can let you live forever. He can take the death sentence off you, all because Jesus paid the fine in his life's blood and then rose from the dead and defeated death. And all you have to do to find everlasting life is repent of your sins. It's more than confession. It's when you actually turn from sin and trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute. If you're on a plane 10,000 feet up, why would you put on a parachute? Save
3: my life. Save your life.
2: (laughs) And your motivation would be fear. And that fear is your friend, not your enemy. It's doing good to you. It's driving you to the parachute. And Nicholas, I've tried to put the fear of God in both of you because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom according to the Bible. And that fear is your friend, not your enemy, because it'll drive you to the foot of the cross where you can find everlasting life. Good. Now, do you know what repentance is?
3: Repentance, no.
2: Well, it's where you turn from all sin. It's something you continually do. I'm a Christian and I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't fornicate, I don't commit adultery. It's something I don't do because I don't want to play the hypocrite and just deceive myself. So you've got to be genuine in your repentance. So that means you turn from lying, stealing, fornication, blasphemy, homosexuality, anything you see in the Bible that God says is morally wrong. Is this making sense?
3: Yes, but I don't agree with 100%. <laughs>
2: well, what you've got to do is just go to the Scriptures and say, God, do you, did you really say this, that adultery and fornication and lying and stealing and homosexuality are morally wrong in your eyes? If He did, then turn from it because your life is at stake. This is what the Scriptures say. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God. And because I love you, I've got to tell you that. So. Think about what we talked about when you do that. Think about it. Think about I'll it seriously. Think
3: about it seriously.
2: You think about it today? Yeah, I think about it. Okay. And think about it with a sense of sobriety because you don't know when you're going to die. Totally. And we're talking about your life, your most precious life. Can I give you a gift? Go ahead. This is a book that I wrote.
3: Okay.
2: How okay. to be free from the fear of death. Do you think you'll read that? I'll think I read it. That's the Gospel of John. Okay. okay good. <laughs> Two five-dollar in-and-out cards. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my! Is that what you said? Oh, sorry. <laughs> nice to meet you guys. Thank you, James. Nice <laughs> Thank to you. you. Bye, bye. Make sure you check out the Living Waters podcast and this. It's everything I've ever learned in fifty years. So make sure you guys check out the
1: Evidence Study Bible. Let's pop that on again, the Evidence Study Bible. Um, This is by Ray Comfort, a beautiful and wonderful book. And I'd like to say something else, folks. You know, I always called this God's podcast. He wanted us to do this. and We're approaching 1,700 people watching live. That is an absolute record. You want to know why? Nobody wants to hear Jeremy Harrell talk about his loser prison days. Nobody wants to hear me, um, you know, Uh, Tell you about things that are going on in my life outside of our LFA family But do you know why people are running to this? They're running to God They're running to God That's why this show is taking off If you build it, they will come So they're not coming to hear me specifically They're coming to hear the word of God And to me, that's the most important thing on planet Earth All right, guys, I love you. I did not expect the show to go that way today, but that's one of the reasons why I love this show so much. You never know where it's going to go because we just go where God guides us. And make sure you check out and get your Jesus Calling t-shirt. Are you going to answer or are you going to decline? Are you going to accept... Or are you going to decline? You can get that Jesus Calling t-shirt on JeremyHarrell.com. And I want to take you out the same way I brought you in with a little bit of music. I love you guys. I'll see you at 11 o'clock. I got a barn burner of a show for you. And from what I understand, Sean's got a great show coming up as well for Ungoverned. Ungoverned. You're not going to want to miss it. I love you guys so very much. Thank you for not judging me. Thank you for understanding why I'm here and what I'm doing and what my duties and responsibilities are to God. God bless you. Have yourselves a wonderful day. I'll see you at 11. Peace out. I know
0: there's gonna be some brighter days. I swear that love will find you in your pain. I feel it in me like the beating of life in my veins. I know there's gonna be some brighter days. I know there's gonna be some brighter days. Just fall from burning dreams. Oh, never live through time.